Hello, this is Sarah Sloan, and you're listening to the Sarah Sloan Show. If you guys are doing okay, maybe 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10, just kidding, 10 out of 10. I'm here with my father, and we're here to discuss the news, as usual. So, there's been a lot that's gone on since since the last show, and the yeah just what's been happening in afghanistan um it's gone pretty bad uh mm-hmm. yeah i just kind of wanted to detail it through the this epoch time story um there was a suicide bomber and you know there were there were even questions like were there two they didn't know how many bombs even went off but there was a single suicide bomber and they carried out an attack on the 26th so that was yesterday um in afghanistan in the airport, and uh, so far, um, well, yeah, I don't know if it's smart to say so far, but there were 13 U.S. service members that uh, were killed, and then there were a lot of um, Afghans that were killed. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're just kind of questioning if it was an attack in the airport and then a second in a hotel, but the Pentagon is saying that it's just one attack, Um Yeah, so this is what the U.S. Army Major General Hank Taylor uh, told reporters. I can confirm for you that we do not believe there was a second explosion at or near the hotel, that it was one suicide bomber. We're not sure how that report was provided incorrectly, but we know it's not any surprise that in the confusion of a very dynamic event, it can cause information to sometimes be misreported or garbled. We felt it was important to correct the record with you all here. So then uh, a gun battle erupted at the airport. Um, Yeah, I just don't understand how it was just one if there was something at the hotel and then Mm, the airport. Two two separate locations. Yeah. And then I've heard reports that it was ISIS. And I just wonder, how does that work with Taliban versus ISIS and uh, how how do they relate to each other? Yeah, and that's... I've been hearing just so much misinformation on it. I've been hearing so many conflicting reports. It's getting frustrating. I wish that somebody would just start saying the truth. Um, yeah, and then the other aspect of it is that uh, this is the first U.S. death in Afghanistan since February 2020. So we had not had U.S. deaths mm. until now. And... Yeah, you know, someone might say 13, that's not bad. But it's much harder to say that when it really didn't have to happen this way at all. It did not have to be like this, but it's because of Joe Biden's leadership. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it so much worse. And it's really making him look like a terrible leader. Um, So let's see. Uh, the ISIS terrorist group, they they have, they have always do this. They claim responsibility for the attack. They were bragging about the suicide bomber managing to penetrate all the security fortifications uh, put into place by the U.S. forces and the Taliban. And uh, this, is, <laughs> this was part of what Biden said. We're also going to play a clip of what he said. Mm. But uh, he said, we will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. We will respond with force and precision at our time, at the place we choose, and at the moment of our choosing. So I just feel, I could be wrong, but I just feel that Trump would have 
been silent and just had them bombed. Mm. I feel like that's probably mm. what Trump would have done. It, <clears throat> Biden's words sound kind of empty. You know, we're departing the whole country. Obviously, there could be air attacks. <clears throat> but um, in light of all that's occurred and the way in which it's occurred, which made us <clears throat> vulnerable to this in the first place, it just seems uh, kind of empty. Definitely. Yeah, and okay, the, there were deaths, but also there were injuries as well. So you see, if you see pictures of this, there's blood everywhere. Um, and if you know anything about a terrorist group, they don't really like to stick with just one attack. So there's a huge threat of more attack. Uh, there's a huge threat of more attacks. Mm. And so that... You know, as they watch Biden say these things but not do anything about it, it's just going to encourage them to do n another attack. That's what they live to do. They're mm -hmm. not like normal people. Normal people don't think, let's just kill people. They think, let's just kill people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't fully understand their whole mindset, but I see their actions, and that's what they do. So it's, it is so sad. And, um, yeah, you know, I go on social media, and I – I've seen some posts of just the, the men that died and they're young, healthy mm. men that were just fighting for our country. And it, it, it's such a shame because it just, it, it was so incredibly preventable. This did not mm. have to happen. Um, so as of August 27th today, more than 12,000 people were airlifted from Kabul in the last 24 hours, according to the Pentagon. Um, and they said they intend to complete the airlifts despite terror threats. Mm -hmm. so that that is just what they say you know it, it seems like we're sitting ducks as long as this is happening because you got large crowds and so anything that blows up is going to have huge casualties <clears throat> and i know they're probably trying their best to make it safe you know and i still ask the questions whether you know it's taliban allowing it, assisting it, doing it, or, you know, what is the distinction between these two groups and how do they relate to one another? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, and it, the other kind of frustrating part of it is Biden. It just doesn't seem like mm. he's taking it very seriously. Um, yeah, if you were even on social media, you might have seen a picture of him where it looks like he's like almost kind of like praying at the podium. So I'm going to yeah. play the clip of when that happens. And a lot of people were saying, no, he, he was praying. He was just, you know, bowing his head to God. Um, he does it during this moment where he's talking to the Fox News reporter that you you hear him probably on every show that we do. We, we play a clip from him asking Jen Psaki questions. He even makes a little joke. Mm -hmm. um, he makes a little joke whenever he's about to address, uh, his name is Ducey. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's just, it's not funny. And if you watched all of him speaking <laughs> he wasn't speaking like a leader. Mm -hmm. He was messing up over every word. He looked like he was just totally um, defeated, but not in like a humble way. It was just like, it was so weird. And then even whenever he was taking questions, he was like, oh, okay, well, you know how this works. They give me the list and they tell me who to speak to. And he, he always says that. <laughs> the uh, word that everybody has focused on has been instructed. I was instructed to you know, ask or, yeah, address these questions or, or allow these reporters to ask questions, whatever. So um, 
I think I, I think I recall the context of him bowing his head, so to speak. <clears throat> and I, to me, it'll be interesting in the clip. You know, he he was kind of getting feisty with Peter Ducey in re, in response to one of his questions, and he was almost trying to pin him and get him to agree to something. And uh, Peter didn't do that. Instead, he was going off in other directions, um, you know, not not agreeing with what Biden was trying to make him agree to. And uh, I think that, and it's almost like, Biden was frustrated, and so it was sort of a desperation, um, you know, exhaustion-type response, you know, to Peter Ducey's responses, which were just coming back and back and back with more and more questions. <laughs> and But, of course, people have speculated. It's almost, you know, it's not very professional, of course, and sort of like he's not up to it. Yeah, it's just like he can't take it, and mm -hmm. and Trump could, and he would usually fire back way harder, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, you definitely see a difference between the two of them. So I'm going to play the clip. Question. Wait, 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 wait. Let me take the one question from the most interesting guy that I know in the press. That's you. Mr. President, there had not been a U.S. service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020. You set a deadline, you pulled troops out, you sent troops back in, and now 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks? I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late. But here's the deal. You know, I wish you'd one day say these things, you know as well as I do, that the former president made a deal with the Taliban that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1. In return, the commitment was made, and that was a year before. In return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others, but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm being serious. No, I, I'm asking you a question. Because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? Do you think that people have an issue with pulling out of Afghanistan or just the way that things have I think they have an issue. Yeah, so he had a microphone, uh, Ducey did. He had a microphone the first time um, he was asking a question, but then the guy walked away who mm. had the microphone. And mm. so Ducey didn't have a microphone, but then Biden starts asking him these questions, which you don't typically ask reporter questions, reporters ask questions. And so then, yeah, he's asking the questions like you were saying, Dad. And then he just, he and he's, he's clutched the whole time. I, I know you can't see this, but he's clutching onto his leather binder to his body just holding onto it that's i don't know if you even heard a little like kind of almost farting sound squeaky noise mm. that's him holding onto the leather and his hand going against the leather it's like he's holding onto it for dear life and then he he puts his head down in front of the microphone and it's just like such a defeated position like mm. it's mm. yeah it's it's just like he can't it's like it's too much of him he can't mm -hmm. take it 
basically he's really pushing for Peter Ducey to agree and affirm what he's saying. And it seems like Peter Ducey simply won't. (laughs) And uh, Peter Ducey instead is asking more questions or making more comments. And um, by him not conceding or agreeing with what Biden has described about Trump's prior agreement, uh, this is the president's response. This, you know, bowing of his head. And this isn't even tense. Like, let, let's be serious about mm-hmm. this. It's not even tense. He's just ac- asking him questions. And they're difficult questions, but every reporter has to ask difficult r- questions. I, I remember when Trump was president, it was always Jim Acosta from CNN. And he would ask him questions. And it was, I felt like the questions were out of line. I, I don't have an example that comes to mind. But I just felt like they were a bit too far. Mm-hmm. Not really about more news. It was more just about like personal drama. And he would kind of get out of line. They were kind of accusatory. Yes, yes. Just like nasty, just mm-hmm. nasty questions. Versus, you know, Peter Ducey is just asking like just about the what's happening. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us more? Do you, do you take responsibility? Yeah. <clears throat> and Biden said yes. But. But <clears throat> then, it, you know, he was basically going on to pass the buck, which he said stops with him, but he was going to pass it to Trump and the circumstances, you know. Yeah. So he, 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 he accepts the responsibility, but then he doesn't. Yeah, and it, it's just kind of ridiculous because... Uh, you see the way that he responds, Biden responds, but with Trump, he would just instead double down. And I, I remember watching one uh, one conference, and he's just like, what is wrong with you? Mm. Why do you treat people like that? You know, right, <laughs> he, right. he just goes off on Jim Acosta. And yeah, he it, was yeah. often accosted by Jim Acosta. Oh, that's a good one, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you better write that down. <laughs> Somehow I think somebody else has said that. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another version of yourself. Another dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's play some more of Joe Biden. That people are likely to get hurt. Some, as we've seen, have gotten killed. And that it is messy. The reason why, whether my friend will acknowledge it, always reported it, the reason why there were no attacks on Americans, as you said, from the date until I came into office, was because the commitment was made by President Trump, I will be out by May 1st. In the meantime, you agree not to attack any Americans. That was the deal. That's why no American was attacked. A few days ago, you said you squarely stand by your decision to pull out. Yes, I do, because look at it this way, folks. And I'm going to have another meeting for real. But imagine where we'd be if I had indicated on May the 1st, I was not going to renegotiate an evacuation date. We were going to stay there. I'd have only one alternative, pour thousands of more troops back into Afghanistan to fight a war that we had already won relative to why the reason we went in the first place. I have never been of the view that we should be 
sacrificing American lives to try to establish a democratic government in Afghanistan, a country that has never once in its entire history been a united country and is made up, I don't mean this in a derogatory, made up of different tribes who have never, ever, ever gotten along with one another. And so, as I said before, and this is the last comment I'll make, we'll have more chance to talk about this, unfortunately, beyond, because we're not out yet. If Osama bin Laden, as well as Al-Qaeda, had chosen to launch an attack when they left Saudi Arabia out of Yemen, would we have ever gone to Afghanistan? Even though the Taliban completely controlled Afghanistan at the time, would we have ever gone? I know it's not fair to ask you questions, it's rhetorical, but raise your hand if you think we should have gone and given up thousands of lives and tens of thousands of wounded. Our interest in going was to prevent Al-Qaeda from reemerging, first to get bin Laden, wipe out Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, prevent that from happening again. As I've said a hundred times, terrorism is metastasized around the world. We have greater threats coming out of other countries, a heck of a lot closer to the United States. We don't have military encampments there. We don't keep people there. We have over the horizon capability to keep them from going after us. Ladies and gentlemen, it was time to end a 20-year war. Thank you so much. The back of his head. Yeah, there was a there was a meme. It was pretty funny. It was <laughs> his portrait. Yeah, a portrait of the back of his head. Our president. <clears throat> I was just going to comment that, um, you know, whenever conservatives claim there had been no deaths in Afghanistan, you know, since February of 2020, <clears throat> and Biden is trying to say, oh, well, that's nothing. That was Trump's agreement. I was thinking, when could you ever make an agreement that the Taliban would be in such fear of you that they would stick to it for, you know, 15 months or more like that? You know, does that say something about Trump's presidency? Yeah. He makes an agreement with them, yeah. and they don't touch any Americans for that whole time. It's now a year and a half. And Biden's trying to say, oh, that's nothing. It was just Trump's agreement. Yeah, I'd like to see you make one. They have no respect for you. They mm -hmm. would kill anybody anytime. And brag about it. Exactly. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. Um, my mom was making the point that he likes to address the past. Mm. And it's so true. Mm. Uh, he doesn't, they're asking a question about the present, and then he just talks about the past. And you notice that he does that every time. He does this three-minute thing where he talks about the history of it, why we were there, and mm. what the objective was and all this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 we, we didn't ask you about that. Mm. We're asking you about right now. Not when you weren't president, but right now when you are president. Mm. So uh, the reality is he doesn't know many things. He can't keep up, obviously. His brain is just slow at this point. 
my movie too after all the lying that he's done uh <laughs> it's always hard to remember what you said when you lie yes it's hard to keep track mm. um not that i would know I, i'm i've never lied <laughs> as she lies <laughs> uh but yes it he does this kind of elevator speech of the past and it takes all this time and mm. then they're like trying to ask other questions and he's like no 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 and whenever he asks them to raise their hand it shows them all the journalists and nobody raised their hand right all of them raise their hands <laughs> stand up I, I was thinking you know sometimes to make an argument you make an extreme you know extreme point of view and then you just cast dispersions on it in this case uh, it didn't make any sense for us to be there to set up a democratic government. Well, how about just be there? Who, who said anything about a democratic government? Uh, you know, that may or may not happen, but when you want to attack something, in this case, us remaining in Afghanistan, then you make it sound real bad by, you know, making it sound like something that's impossible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Forget about the democratic government. Let's just say we stay there to keep the Taliban out and keep terrorism from coming out of there. How about that? But no, we, we can't get into this nation building. No, no, that's not what we're asking. <laughs> and then it's just back and forth, back right. and forth. And that's what he does. Mm. You're so right. Um, okay. So that obviously that is, it's a really, it's a stain on his presidency. And uh, a lot of people are extremely upset as they should be, as they should be. It's disgusting. Um, it really kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen with his future. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. I don't know if, yeah, but, and then I do wonder what do the extreme left think? Do they care? Cause they really might not. Mm -hmm. Like I think almost nothing could sway them at this point. And I know they say that about people on the right with Trump. I know they say that as well. So, um, I think maybe part of it for them would be strategic. Yeah, they probably don't care about Afghanistan one way or another. But to accomplish their goals, uh, you know, whatever, everything from globalism, climate change, all that, or Green New Deal, um, you know, they, whether they think casting him aside as a scapegoat, would that help their goals better? Or not holding on to him? You know, so... I think a lot of them, that's how they, how they decide it. What helps further their goals? They don't really care about him one way or another. Yeah, and they don't really care about these U.S. Uh, servicemen that died. No, not at all. So sad because, yeah, okay, not 12, sorry, 13. Uh, okay, 13 men. Well, that's 13 families. That's 13 communities. Mm. Each person usually has close relationships with like probably a hundred people. So now that's like over a thousand people mm. that are mourning. You know, there's so much more that goes into the death of one person. So um, it does matter. It matters all the time. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you can't avoid it. But when you can, it's just so much more painful. It's so much more. You know, if you go back to his uh, first speech, you know, he's just talking about. You know, well, he made threats against the Taliban and he was saying everybody's going to get out securely. So he was giving assurances of safety and he was making threats if, if it would not be safe. So now what do you do? You know, 
He's, he's just having to eat more and more of his words. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. Um, okay. So just uh, quickly to touch on this story, um, the Texas House, we've been talking about these Democrats that fled the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of wanted to keep updated with that story. So they came back and they, they met quorum. That's where enough people were there to where they could actually carry out their business in the Texas House. And it was kind of frustrating because they met quorum and then I think it was like a Thursday or a Friday. And then they said, okay, so we're going to adjourn, which means take a break until Monday. And it's like, why are you doing that? Mm. You've been complaining that time matters so much. Each day matters so much. And okay, you Republicans, why are you waiting until Monday to carry out your business? And so I've told you already, the Texas Republicans, not all of them, but I would say about 95% of them are awful. They are terrible people. Um, and that's just a little window into that. You, you really just can't work on a Thursday or a Friday or even mm-hmm. a Saturday. Trust me, they work on the weekends too. When you've been waiting for a month. Yeah, and complaining that they're wasting mm-hmm. time. No, 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 you're wasting time mm-hmm. because they came back and they were willing to work. So At least get a few important things passed. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No, of course not. So, But thankfully, uh, the Texas House of Representatives late uh yesterday advanced a an election reform bill so Mm. they did Mm. actually advance something uh they voted on it and it was 79 to 37 people you know that was a vote and it advanced senate bill one which obviously if it's a senate bill one that means it already passed through the senate Mm. and it had Mm. passed earlier this month so the uh the state house they're gonna have a final vote scheduled uh today yeah i'll be curious to see what happens with that um they they basically they amend it and then they send it back to this the senate and then i think the senate has to pass it and then it goes to the governor Mm. so it's Mm. just it's a lot but something was tweaked yeah i think so i think they were trying to do a lot of uh debating on it um but let's see uh governor abbott he's expressed support for this bill um, they were spending apparently hours just debating amendments, which amendments are changes to the bill. And you could have uh, so many amendments. You could mm. have one amendment, you could have dozens of amendments, and it could really alter the bill. Or some people will try to just put in what they want mm. into the amendment of a bill. Not even related. Sometimes, sometimes, definitely so. Um, so there were there were two representatives and they were debating an amendment that one of the representatives was saying uh, it would emphasize that poll watchers couldn't be with the voter when the person is voting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I I guess that's been an issue. I've never had that happen to me whenever I vote, Mm. you know, the poll watcher is not like watching me or I would think in general that they should not be, I'm trying to think if there's any situation where, you know, an elderly person needs a little bit extra help. Um, but I would hope that in most cases they would not, unless requested or absolutely needed because of understanding of how to use the machine, not, yeah. you know, it should have nothing to do with the actual voting. Yeah, yeah, I, I would hope, but yeah, that was, uh, it was rejected, the amendment was, mm-hmm. and there was 12 hours of debate, uh, 
yeah, they were describing the legislation aimed at making election law uniform and consistent throughout the state to reduce the likelihood of fraud, protect the, the secrecy of ballot, ensure voter access, make sure all legally cast votes were counted. Um, so one of the representatives was saying, we're not here to let every person vote for from your car when you're perfectly able to go into a secure voting location and vote. And the Democrats, they were criticizing the bill, questioning um, whether the new laws were aimed at curbing voter fraud and if the those laws were even needed in the first place. So there was one Democrat who was talking about January 6th, the breach of the U.S. Capitol, and uh, they were linking that effort to... Uh, here, let's see. Okay, so this is what he said. I can draw a straight line from that to the bills that have been filed all over the United States to try to make it harder to vote. There's no reason for this bill. You know, and it's funny, uh, Dinesh D'Souza had made the argument of, okay, so the January 6th riot was awful because it was trying to stop the democratic process. Um, well, what what are these people doing whenever they walked and they fled the state? Mm. Um they were stopping the democratic process. <laughs> so, you know, it, obviously the two acts had different, you know, one was a, a bit more violent than the other for sure. Mm. But on its basis, they both tried to stop the democratic process. Mm. So it's just kind of funny uh, when you think about that. And yeah, so it's good. It's good. They're back and they're ready to work and they got it through. So hopefully... The Senate doesn't have any issues with it, and it can go to the governor, and it can go through. But, yeah. Interesting. I wonder if this is one of the latest times that the Texas um, legislature has had to work. You know, because they finish at the end of May, don't they? Mm -hmm. So then, you know, you got June, July, August. We're getting to the end of August. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so I don't know if I don't know if that was three sessions or two or what, but. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah, you're right. It's a lot. It, it is a lot. Of course, it was made a lot, much longer because of the flight of the of the Dems. And it didn't even do anything in the end. Right. It just slowed down the process. Mm -hmm. But it's a good talking point. We fought. We were just like, you know, standing up for justice. And yeah, it, if there are voters like that, then mm -hmm. I'll do good for them. Obstruction. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is a word they love to use. So ironic. Um, okay, and then speaking of January 6th, uh, you probably heard about this, but Ashley Babbitt, she was the only person who was killed during the January 6th riot. Mm. Uh, she is a small woman, uh, well, was a small woman, unarmed, and an officer shot her. Um, so they never were revealing the officer's identity, and that was infuriating to a lot of people. Basically, it was an officer shooting an unarmed woman. Mm. Shot her in the neck, she died. So, uh, okay. So now, the identity has been released of this officer, and he is uh, Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd. So, um, here's some of what... He was basically defending his actions. Um, so he said he shot Ashley Babbitt as she tried to climb through a broken window into the speaker's lobby adjacent to the house chamber because he feared she and others inside the building would get into the chamber where Congress members were hiding after the Capitol was breached. She was a she was posing a threat to the United States House of Representatives. He admitted he did not know that she was unarmed. 
I could not see her hands or what was in the backpack or what the intentions are, but they had shown violence leading up to that point. So that statement apparently upset her husband, Aaron Mm. Babbitt. And this is what he said. My agitation level is actually going through the roof right now. He admitted he didn't really care if she was armed or unarmed, uh, armed or unarmed or not. So the video footage, it showed officers inside that room um, that were sitting outside of the speaker's lobby. And yeah, then it showed, um, yeah, they were sitting with Bird, who he said, the officer that shot her. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the the person representing the Babbitt family, because they, I think they've even sued just because they don't think it's right that that she was shot this way and killed this mm-hmm. way and mm-hmm. that they wouldn't even release his identity. Um, and the lawyer was saying that a pretty it was a pretty clear case of shooting an unarmed person without any legal justification. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Seems like yeah. we've made a big deal about that happening under other circumstances. If it was an African-American being shot by mm-hmm. a white cop. Um, but it really, color shouldn't be an issue here. And you don't shoot unarmed persons. Nope. Yeah, and so the... the and, and there wasn't even a real issue of resisting arrest, which is often the case. Um, you know, because I guess there was a distance between her and the officer. It wasn't like they were trying to arrest her at the time. Yeah. They said she was going through a window. And, and I sure hope there would be video to back all this up. Yeah, I think they have the part of the video where she's shot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she's trying to get into a window. There's a bunch of people that are. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, Mm -hmm. to to just kill somebody for Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Just because they're trying to break into a window? I'm wondering why did they choose her if many went through the window? It's kind of a random, let's shoot somebody. Yeah, so the federal authorities, they're not going to press charges against Bird because there was insufficient evidence to support a prosecution. Mm. So that, it's awful. They don't seem to have any need for evidence against all the other uh, trespassers there. They, who they have in solitary confinement for months without any charges. Mm-hmm. No, need, no need for evidence there. Oh yeah, for sure. And those people didn't kill a single person. Mm, right. So um, kind of interesting there. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I didn't say this before. I don't think it matters, but... This is obviously why he's been protected. He's black. Mm. She's white. If it was reversed, right? Come on. Yeah. Well, although let's let's be honest about this, a black MAGA supporter, <laughs> right? They don't care that that equates a white person, and white is evil, and white is death. So. Well, there were also BLM and Antifa folks in there too. They were. They were there, <clears throat> and there so. were like let's be real about this. There were FBI uh, insurgents mm-hmm. that were instigating the crowd. Oh yeah, and there were a uh, Capitol police shown opening the doors and letting people mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. This is all you could see video footage of it, and not even all the footage has been released. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a conspiracy theory. You know, there's something about trespassing. Just that. You know, if somebody's ushering you in, is it still trespassing? Golly. If, if the doors are open, is it trespassing? If there's no signage that says you can't go in, is it still trespassing? If they're saying, come on in, you know, this is your house, is it trespassing? 
They sure like to say it is. Uh, yeah. The officer potentially saved members and staff from serious injury and possible death from a large crowd of rioters who forced their way into the U.S. Capitol and to the House chamber where members and staff were steps away. Uh, Burr doesn't reg- regret what he did. I know that I saved countless lives. I know members of Congress, as well as my fellow officers and staff, were in jeopardy and in serious danger, and that's my job. Yeah, so you killed an unarmed woman that saved countless lives. Because she was just going to. Say what? What about all the others that went in? Oh, yeah, yeah. You literally saw them get to where they wanted. They wanted to go to Speaker Pelosi's desk. They were sitting on her desk. Nothing happened to her. Mm hmm. Obviously, it's not right to put your feet on somebody's desk and to invade their office. No one's saying that's okay. Right. But nothing happened to her. It was she was fine. peaceful. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's ridiculous. It's just, don't misconstrue what they did. Mm. If you were actually more honest about what they did, I think that people would be willing to have more of a teachable moment mm. to not do that. But because they've just lied about it and smeared all these lies, it's really just doing more harm than anything. Mm. Sounds very arbitrary for them just to single out one woman and shoot her dead. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. Mm. Um, But yeah, uh, let's see. Bird's lawyer, uh, yeah, he didn't, he was asked why the officer chose to reveal his identity, and he didn't answer. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, the Babbitt family, the ladies' family had sued to learn his identity and plans to file a lawsuit. that charged birds violating Babbitt's constitutional rights, mm. which definitely were. Mm-hmm. And Bird, the officer, said that the threats include people saying they'll kill him. And her husband, Aaron Babbitt, said that he's also received threats. This is a quote from him. I've been getting death threats since January 7th. Two, mm. three, five, ten a day. And all I did on January 6th was become a widower, mm. which is so sad. Mm. He lost his wife, and now he gets death threats all the time. Wow. Golly. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible. And the way the media has construed it uh, in such an arbitrary way, you know, you, you think of all the protests that have occurred, and this one is singled out and treated completely differently than all the rest. And it's just all politics. Yeah, it. this is, there's so many cases where you could see that the media, listening to the corporate media is just going to do you more harm and this is definitely one of those situations because they always equate it to the Civil War, mm. which I don't really think the Civil War was that bad because it got black people to be free. Mm. So I don't see why it was that bad. Obviously, yeah, we had a fighting. There were people, there were white people that were willing to lose their life so that black people could be free. Mm. I, I guess I guess it's, I don't know. I don't see what's so bad about that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sorry. So I don't get the equation. They always do it. I hear clip after clip of them doing that, Mm -hmm. saying this is the worst thing that's happened since the Civil War. They say that. And it just shows you. It shows you their true heart. Mm -hmm. Because if I had to equate a a bad event, I would try to actually use like a bad event, like the Holocaust. I would say the Holocaust, because that was a bad event. You know? Mm -hmm. It's just so weird. Yeah, the worst since something that was... You know, obviously it was a low point in our nation's history and that it caused such great death and division. But it was what it was, and uh, it seemed like it was irreconcilable, and it took place, and it was very tragic. But um, I, I can't see how that compares to a single protest. Nope. 
and how every other protest is distinguished from it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, this, basically, there's something really fishy. There always has been about January 6th and the way it's been treated. It, it looks like it was orchestrated to me. 100%. You know, you, you did have people there, but the way they were dealt with and ushered in and uh, and all the others that were surrounding them in this protest, uh, you know, and then it just seems like ever since they've singled out the ones that were the targets and ignored everybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I guess they want to keep on <laughs> just talking about January 6th, but mm-hmm. it's not going to do them any good, you know. The people that hate Trump are just going to continue to hate Trump. The people that love Trump are going to continue to love Trump. Mm. And they mm-hmm. can't really sway anybody. So, um, yeah, just keep on beating that drum. Mm. Uh, so I did want to end with this story. Um, and I, I thought you might find this clip interesting. So I'll play it and then we can, um, well, maybe I'll, I'll set it up just a little bit. Uh, Serena Williams, she decided to, uh, you know, withdraw from the U.S. Open. Mm because of her was it hamstring i'm really not sure um but but an injury right some kind of and so uh this is just a really short clip of them discuss uh jason whitlock on the blaze tv network he's done espn for years and so now he's uh on the blaze tv and they're discussing if she should retire (laughs) interesting Something big happened already uh, this week in the tennis world. Serena Williams drops out of the U.S. Open. And Couch, again, former low-level tennis pro, now a college coach of tennis, the best sports writer uh, writing about tennis in America, he's saying that it's time for 39-year-old Serena Williams to retire. Greg... Why should Serena Williams retire? Because it's been five years watching her chase this stupid record to get one last major. That Margaret Court holds the record of 24 majors. Serena has 23. And Serena just isn't the same anymore. The way we got to know Serena was watching this tough, young, strong woman. I can still picture her at Wimbledon when she has that one point where she goes down on one knee and pumps her fist and screams. That's what we saw. That's what, that's what we all fell in love with Serena Williams. Strong, muscular, tough woman. And now what she is is, you know, she's, her body's breaking down, her mind's breaking down, her guts are breaking down. She's gone five years without winning a major now. I mean, she will have by the time she gets to the Australian Open. When she was 35, she won the Australian Open. That was the oldest a woman's ever been winning a major. She's not going to win one at 40. And I just don't like seeing her be this sort of weakened person. I mean, she can walk around and continue to play and and be sort of a ceremonial player, and people can love her and and idolize her, but it's just not the same. And I think she's going to create new memories that are not as good to replace the old memories that were fantastic, and and I don't want to see that happen. And like Willie Mays, for people remember that, when he's sort of tripping around in the outfield, and, you know, not everyone can be Tom Brady. Not everyone can be Phil Mickelson and play into their 50s, especially when you're in a sport like tennis, which is a quick twitch sport. And you've got to run fast. And I just I just don't want to see her come back and look like this. So I'd just like to see her go right now. Okay, she's not going to, according to you, she's not going to catch Margaret Court in terms of number of majors. But is Serena still the GOAT? Is she the greatest of all time? 
I think so. But I mean, Steffi Graf has a pretty good argument. Serena's won one more major than Steffi. Steffi had, I think, 370 weeks at number one, and Serena had 40 or 50 weeks less than that, you know. But I mean, so who's the best player on the court? I, I do think it's Serena, but I think Serena meant a lot more to the sport than Steffi did. Serena changed a lot of things. I mean, the all the other women on the tour started bulking up to try to match her muscle. And, you know, we see a lot of black women on the tour now and women's sports. I mean, tennis is the one mainstream sport for women year round. And, you know, she's also had a lot to do with, you know, body image issues for young girls. So, I mean, the body of work is, is more impressive for Serena than Steffi Graf. But uh, yeah, I do think she's the best ever. Maybe that was the number she needed to get. She needed to get that 23rd major, which surpassed Steffi by one. So, um, yeah, I'll go with Serena, but it's not a, it's not a slam dunk. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so that is uh, Jason Whitlock, and he talks uh, politics and sports. And mm. uh, I, I really love just the way he talks about, and so it's so controversial, but just like mm. homosexuality is evil and it's bad and it's mm. damaging our society and there's nothing okay with it. Like he was, he was a guest on Megan Kelly's podcast and she's, she's very much okay with like, you know, homosexuality, like what's the big deal? How's it going to hurt anybody? Uh, she's much more center left. And he was just like, no, it's, it's really not good for our society. Mm. Um, and, and I forgot all of his points with it, but very biblical. And he's, mm. he really does try to chase after God, but he, <laughs> you know, he's one of those people that's like, I, I'm not saying that I do everything right, but God really is the only way. So he's like, he's very aware of like mm. his failings, mm -hmm. but he is fascinating to listen to. Uh, but what do you think of that discussion right there? Oh, that was really interesting. Um, I think, you know, he was having to tiptoe a little bit um, because people could get real defensive about defending Serena and her right to continue and play on. And, you know, it's very common for players to continue on as long as they can compete. One example being Serena's sister, Venus. Venus has, um, it's almost like she was worse. I guess she's an older sister, but to Serena, I don't know how many years difference, but she faded, you know, a decade ago. Um, she really had a very, maybe more, <clears throat> she had a very short, um, period of time that she was, you know, on top and very competitive. And that ended a long time ago. <laughs> and yet she keeps on going to every major and probably some other tournaments. <clears throat> and many times she loses in the first round. So she doesn't win a single match. Sometimes she will win one match and then loses a second. So, you know, the, the, it's very common, you know, I, I don't know what her mentality is. Maybe she just enjoys doing it. You know, um, I don't think she wins much prize money from that. Um, it does keep her name in the news to some degree because, you know, she's out there. But uh, obviously Serena can do whatever she wants. And I think she, um, well, of course, she's married to a wealthy man. She has won huge amounts of money in her lifetime. And her potential for endorsements is unlimited. And I've even heard some recently where she's endorsing things. So it's definitely not money. Uh, and I think he, what he says is accurate in that I've been watching her ever since she came back from her pregnancy. And 
<clears throat> she did have some very good opportunities to win a major, and um, things happened. Uh, but she was very close, and I think she's not getting any closer. You know, as time goes by, she's getting further away from a chance. You know, there's tournaments where several of the top players are are gone for various reasons, injuries, or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, it doesn't make any difference. You know, once she gets into some of the tougher, younger ones, um, something something happens. And she really is not in as good shape. So I, I get what he's saying. You know, the answer to that, if somebody wants to argue, is, well, she's not doing it just for your enjoyment, and who cares about uh, you having fond memories of her in her prime and <laughs> that it, now she's a, a pale comparison to what she used to be. So, you know, it's not all about pleasing you and or even pleasing other fans. If she wants to still compete to the level that she's able, she's welcome to do so. Yeah, it, if he is kind of, if he was almost like a press agent and thinking of how can we maintain your legacy for longer and trying to think of it strategically that way, mm -hmm. uh, then I think that what he has to say has much more credibility through that lens. Um, and then you could even compare with Roger Federer, which is uh, he has been known to be like one of the best mm -hmm. men's tennis players for a long time. And he is continuing to play, even though he's past the age and he still does very well. But yeah, he he's just a, a, of the mindset. I'm not going to stop. Why would I why would I stop? Right. And in the same way, he is very unlikely to win a ma another major. Uh, it just doesn't look like that would happen. Yeah. And. It's interesting. I think you, if I'm not mistaken, I think all three men are tied now, Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic, uh, for the most majors for the men. <clears throat> and we all know who's going to end up on top at some point, which will be Djokovic, because he's younger. I think maybe only a couple years younger than Nadal, but Nadal seems to be withdrawing because of injuries more. And, and even when they do play head-on-head, head, uh, you know, with um, no injuries or anything, Djokovic seems to win, he even beat him at the French Open, which was, you know, Nadal's um, the king of clay, and he still lost there. Wow. So, yeah, Djokovic seems to be, um, he'll break that tie pretty soon, and he'll end up with quite a few more majors, I believe, by the time he's done. Definitely. And then I just wanted to give a few factoids of uh, Venus and versus Serena, since you had mentioned uh, their ages. So, uh Serena was born in 81, so she is 39 years old. And then Venus was born in uh, 80, so she's 41 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and then Venus is 6 foot 1. Serena is 5 foot 9. It's amazing, you know, there's, if you compare the two, and of course they did play many times, even in finals, uh, many years back. Um, Venus has not gotten to finals recently, mm -mm. <laughs> recent years. But uh, I remember even the father uh, commenting on them, and it was early on, and he said, wait till you see Serena. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's when Venus was maybe in her prime. But he could see, and he trained them both and taught them, and obviously did a very fine job. But uh, Serena has a competitiveness that Venus has never approached just personality you know she's got a fight in her 
And you can even see it in her tougher moments when she hates to lose and gets pretty upset and ugly about it, even. But that, that's what's caused her to win 23 majors, and that simply was not in Venus. And uh, height or no height, you know, of course, Serena has tremendous strength. And in her prime, as was aptly described um, by Jason Whitlock, she uh, was overpowering. You know, the, as hard as she hit that ball, and with such accuracy, her serves, everything, uh, Noah can stand up to her, and that has kind of changed, but that's why, the way it was. Yeah, I listened to the Wondery Sports Wars podcast. I used to listen to it, and they had a Serena and Venus William, uh, Williams series, and so they gave a lot of insight into the two of them. And yeah, everything you said was spot on. Um, Venus would even like feel bad for Serena um, because she was better than her for a time. And then Serena started beating her, but she felt bad. She was like, no, no, uh, you should win. You know, had this like very subservient attitude. Um, but they always kind of say that the crazy people seem to dominate. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like if you hear stories about famous people, like really ultra famous people, they have this bit of crazy in them. And that's kind of what helps them. You know, here's, uh, here's another stat for prize money. Venus has, for, and this is just, you know, the money that they won in prizes from winning tournaments. Lifetime. Uh, yes, yes, overall. Um, $42,173,992 versus Serena, $94,518,971. What, what was for Venus? 42. That's still a lot. Oh, it, it is. Yeah, you're right. You could do okay with 42, couldn't you? I think I could make buy, you know, make it, you know, buy a couple meals. <laughs> right. I'd be happy. Uh, yeah, and then the other interesting part of her is she, uh, Serena, is married to the Reddit, one of the Reddit founders. So they are extremely wealthy. Yeah, I, I got to stop because we could probably talk about them all day. <laughs> <laughs> I love tennis and following it for many I, years. It's fascinating. Yeah, I don't even like sports and I like talking about mm -hmm. them. They are so interesting and they've really, you know, people always say women's sports are boring. Women's sports are boring. I normally do agree, not with tennis. Oh. I think sometimes... The women's tennis can be more popular than the men sometimes, not all the time. And that is crazy. And it's because of these two women. That they're a big part. And now you bring in Osaka and you get some oh, interesting yeah. personalities. One last thought is that mm -hmm. uh, Serena never felt bad about beating Venus. Yeah. And that's what they said. That's what they said in the podcast. <laughs> they said she never felt bad. Or about beating anybody else. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, okay. And one that she loved to beat was Sharapova, by the way. Oh, yeah. That. She, she lost to her one time, and then she said, never again. And she, she just destroyed Sharapova every chance she got and never lost to her a second time. And it was so funny to watch. It, it was just this blonde Barbie, and she yeah. was so popular. She got all these endorsements. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was just <laughs> in the little grunt that she had. Just That's like that, right. yeah. Good job. It was awful. Uh, versus Serena, it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it makes tennis so interesting. Um, okay, but uh, let's end with a verse. It's going to be Galatians 6, 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ, Jesus neither 
for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Yeah, so. Mm. Um, we have a tendency as human beings to boast, but we should be careful what we boast about. And it, it seems almost contrary to the way we think to think about boasting in the cross, but it's what we... It means it's what means the most to us. It's what we live for, and it's what should be controlling in our lives. So, to that extent, and nothing should be higher than that. It's true, yeah. And it's there's there's it's fun sometimes to brag about yourself, but then whenever you're able to brag about somebody else, it's even more fun. And the the key, the kicker, is to be able to brag about God and what He does in us. Um, because anytime, anytime I do something that's good, I know deep down it wasn't me, and I know it was God. Like any natural talents or abilities, mm. I know it's God. So instead of boasting in myself, I I boast in God, and that's really where the credit lies. And so, yeah, so it's that same kind of a thing where we uh, we boast in God. And it, it's that's how it's supposed to be. It's just the natural order of things. Um, if we did something and then somebody took credit for what we did, mm. how would that make us feel? We would hate that. So <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. God does it. Why would we try to take credit for what he does? You know, it's interesting tying it to the cross because basically that's why we have eternal life. That's why we have we are new creations because he died and rose therefore we can the old man can die we are crucified with christ nevertheless we live but not us christ lives in us so the life we live is is him so that's why everything we do whether it's something that could be boasted about or just uh, goodness in any way it's all because of the cross of Christ. Amen to that. We'll end it there. I hope you guys enjoyed the show and uh, learned a little or a lot. That's up to you. And if you listened, hope you have a good one. Goodbye. <laughs>